may be a degenerate, but he's our degenerate. Nonsense. I've not yet begun to defile myself. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. The Pirates are off today. They are four games behind in the wild card race. They are seven games behind as the Cubs come to town tomorrow for a set. We'll get into the Pirates a lot more in the 6 o'clock hour. I think this is crunch time for them, though. And that's not exactly breaking news, but you got to make a move over the next couple of days. Uh, well, I guess it's less than 24 hours at this point. you got to make a move. you got to keep up with the Joneses. And... You've got to start beating some of these teams that are ahead of you. Four games is not that much if you could beat these guys. But you start to lose a couple of games here. Uh, then the non-waiver deadline means nothing. September only means you get to see your call-ups come up. And the whole season slips away. Big, big, big next two weeks coming up for these Pittsburgh Pirates. As I said, more on that coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. Right now, though, live from Steelers training camp, it's Ray Fittipaldo from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And, Ray, a lot of banged-up players, and we all know that Ramon is out four to six weeks. It seems like they've avoided the worst so far, though. Yeah, and, you know, quite honestly, uh, Adam, if there's one position on that offensive line where they can afford an injury, it's a guard because they're they're – they really like their depth uh, with B.J. Finney. I think we all know by now that uh, he's won all seven games. Um, the Steelers have won all seven games when he's been asked to step in and be a starter. And I don't think a lot of people know this, but they really like Matt Filer too. Matt Filer made the 53-man roster last season for the first time after being on the practice squad. And he's a really good guard. And they have to play him at tackle and they have to play him at center because they need versatile guys if he's going to dress on game days, but they really feel like he's a guy who maybe down the road can can maybe really fill a role for them, either as a backup like Finney has been or even a starter down the road. Well, that's interesting that you say if they're going to face an injury that that's where you'd want it. I agree, and you'd agree that you'd rather lose Ramon than a David DeCastro. Not that you ever want to see anybody go down, but I think that they are weaker at the tackle positions in terms of depth this year, Ray, and and that does concern me a little bit. Yeah, and, you know, right now, um, you know, we're only a week in the camp, but, you know, Chukso Korofor is only 20 years old. Are you going to ask him to be the backup right and left tackle? Uh, He looked really good in OTAs. Uh, I talked to Mike Munchak today. I wrote a story for the Post-Gazette. Um, he's holding his own now, but he's sort of in that mode where he's trying to do his technique and he's also trying to think about his assignments at the same time. And, you know, it's not, you know, it's not always, um, you know, working out for him. So they're going to take a long look at him. The, the guy to keep an eye on, and he was on the practice squad for a part of the last season too, is Jake Rogers. And Jake is back for, I think it's his third camp here, definitely his, his second. And he looks pretty good. And I'm just, you know, you, it's not ideal to, to rely on a guy who's never started an NFL game either. I mean, he'd be in the same boat as a core for, but at least he's been around a little bit longer. So if if neither of those those guys can handle it, you know, they're going to have to go out and sign a vet after cutdowns. But, you know, I would watch those two guys during camp, a core for and Rodgers. I think both of those guys are are good. It's just a matter of can, can they develop in time to be good enough where they feel comfortable with them being the top backup. Ray Fittipaldo joining us here on the Crowley Show. Speaking of 
getting guys to feel comfortable in a backup role, you look at the running back position, and James Conner has an opportunity to prove himself. Jalen Samuels has an opportunity to prove himself. Uh, I think Jalen's got a long way to go, though. A guy who never blocked at all at NC State. And that, yeah. And that was certainly evident out there, backs <laughs> on backers, was it not? You felt bad for him, really. I mean, Tomlin made him go five times. I, I think he got bull rushed on two of those and, you know, just got bowled over. So, um, you know, Tomlin admits that that drill was slanted toward the defense just because those guys are getting a five-yard head start. You know, they, you know, what Tomlin wants to see is he wants to see the will, the desire of the guys to block, and he wants to see how those guys – can handle leverage. I think, you know, Samuels is a big guy. I think the will will be there. It's just a, about him learning the technique and doing something that he's never had to do before because he either was always carrying the ball at NC State or he was out in a pattern, and they never really asked him to be a blocker. So, um, you know, if he's going to be on the roster, he's got to be able to block. Yeah. So he's got a long way to go, but they do like his running ability, and they really like his versatility and the way he can get out there in the passing game. To me, he's got a long way to go to make the roster because you've got guys who have done it before and Stephen Ridley and Fitzgerald Toussaint uh, and James Conner as well. I mean, you draft a guy because you like a guy, but you draft a guy in the fifth, sixth round, it, it doesn't mean he's definitely going to stick either. No, I mean, fifth rounders, don't they're, they're not autumn, you know, locks to, to, to make the team. Um, you know, Kevin Colbert talked about this the other day. They know what they have in Fitz Toussaint. They know what they have in Stephen Ridley. So this is a camp, really, where you've got to find out about James Conner and you've got to find out about uh, Jalen Samuels. So um, I, I think those are the two guys that they're keeping a close eye on. Conner's always seemed to have in, an injury history. Yeah. They want to see if he could be available, um, you know, for an entire season. And, you know, Samuels is a guy who could help them, I think, um, but they are going to have to be careful about putting him in a specific role. I don't know if they would want him out there. In a third and long situation, and having to, you know, be being out there, relying on him to pick up a blitz, he would have right. to be out in a pattern, or they would have to call a running play for him, because he's just not that far along in his past pro game to, you know, to be suited to do that right now. Ray Fittipaldo joining us from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Ray, the Steelers' defense is, I think, fairly deep on the back end. All, although at the same time inexperienced on the back end. And if you want to look at something negatively, you could say, okay, Morgan Burnett hasn't been practicing. If you want to look at it positively, that gives younger guys an opportunity. How do you want to look at it? Yeah, I mean, as, as long as it's early in camp, I think that's okay. I mean, we we saw Terrell Edmonds um, uh, have a nice interception against Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, he's making some plays out there. The thing you don't want um, is that injury to drag on for very much longer. I think it's okay if he misses the first week of camp, but they were in this situation a couple of years ago when they had new guys in the defensive back, and they were counting on those four guys to be healthy so they can get a lot of playing time together, they can get that communication down. And um, like I said, I, I, I think it's okay that Burnett is resting here for a week or so, but you don't want this to no. to linger on and then – you know, had that be an issue going into the season. So um, it's good that the rookie is getting some snaps out there. I, I would imagine Burnett would sit out again today because they got that off day tomorrow. Um, but I, I don't think it's a concern right now, but I think it'll be a concern with me if this is happening a week from now or two weeks from now when they're getting ready to play the Eagles. Inside linebacker, uh, instead of it being Bostick and Vince Williams right off the shoot, 
what you have is a rotation there. And I get it. You want to see which combination combination works best, uh, which two guys fit in there. And then, of course, you've got sub-package football, right. which is really the new base anyhow. So one of those guys going to be coming off the field. Uh, if you had to rank those three in terms of skill set, how do you do that? Matikiewicz, Bostic, and Williams. I mean, we don't know about Matikiewicz. He's never started an in, in, in NFL game. Very limited time as a backup, too, because we know in that game that Ryan Shazier was injured, he got hurt just a few series later. Right. So we don't we don't know about him. I, I don't, you know. He they love him, though. He, they love him, but he didn't run well at the combine. He's like a 4'8 guy. I just have my doubts about him holding up in the passing game. I, I think he'd be fine as a run defender. Um, I also feel the same way about Vince Williams. I think Vince Williams' strength is run defense and blitzing. I don't know that he's built – um, to be a guy who's going to chase chase around running backs and tight ends um, in the passing game. So I'm, I'm really anxious to see Jonathan Bostick in the preseason games. As you mentioned, they've sort of just been working him in slowly here in, in OTA's minicamp and now training camp. So I, I want to see what he can do. Maybe he's a guy that you feel comfortable putting in there in the passing game. I, I just don't feel that way about Vince Williams or Tyler Matakiewicz. What do you think about the depth behind those three? Because to me, it looks like the thinnest position maybe on the entire team. Yeah, I mean, you have Matthew Thomas, undrafted free agent out of Florida State. I think they like him. I think they want to develop him. I don't know if it's going to be on the 53-man roster, but maybe on the practice squad. Is he uh, the guy that fans flip out about this year whenever he winds up getting cut? And, oh, no, is he going to make the practice squad? Someone's going to take him. Yeah, and then 48 hours later, he's in the, he's in the locker room and on the practice squad. Uh, you know, Macalombos was on the practice yeah. squad for a short time last season. Then they put him on IR. He's looked pretty good. I thought in, in backs on backers the other day, um, he was really one of the guys who stood out to me. So, you know, the depth isn't great there. There's not a lot of experience, but they might have some options. Of, you know, guys who aren't going to play a lot anyway, but guys who can maybe be reserves or and or practice squad guys, they might have enough uh, to get the job done there. Ray, I think the best player, obviously, in the Steelers' defense is Cam Hayward. Uh, after that, to me, it's either Stephon Tuitt or Joe Hayden. I just want to see Stephon Tuitt take that next step. And it's not to say he hasn't been a good football player. He is a good football player. But if he can get to the level that Cam Hayward was at last year or even close to that, I think that changes the entire defense. You're, you're absolutely right. If you think back to last year, Last season, he got hurt on the first series uh, of the game against the Browns, and he just was battling something, whether it was, you know, the elbow, the back, whatever. He was battling something all season. So they would wreak havoc at him. If, if they were able to get those two guys healthy, I think that would open up some stuff for the outside linebackers. Maybe, I don't want to say make them better than they are, but I think that would elevate their game, and I, I think they could do some different things with Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it would be huge um, for the Steelers to, to see that happen. They've already paid him. I mean, they like him. Right. They, they, we know they like him. Now it's just a matter of staying healthy and, you know, can he take that next step and make an all-pro or make a Pro Bowl like Cam Hayward did last season? This is something that I've picked up on, and maybe it's just because I want to pick up on it, not because it's actually happening. So I'm kind of asking everybody that I talk to whether or not they're seeing the same thing. I think Ben looks really jovial right now, uh, almost as if he's got a couple of years left. He wants to soak it all up. Maybe it's because he's lost some weight. Maybe it's because Todd Haley's not here. Or like I said, maybe I've made it up. Are you seeing the same thing? 
Maybe, I like your theory about Todd Haley, man. He's out of here. Oh, man, I feel great. No more Todd. Maybe that's it. No, I mean, you know, he, he's rested a couple of days here. Um, I, I don't think they're going to put much stress on his arm um, during training camp. You know, he, he's going to get himself ready. I haven't necessarily noticed the jovial, you know, the, st- the stuff that you're mentioning, but I, I do think there's something to that relationship with Randy Feetner. Um He's been his quarterback's coach since 2012. They like each other. They get along, and it's going to be a different dynamic than what he had with Todd because it was, you know, they worked okay together. They had success together, but that relationship just wasn't as strong. So it's going to be interesting to watch to see how that relationship with Randy and Ben develops. I I think it'll be a good one, and I think it'll be fruitful for the Steelers' offense. Yeah, and I'm interested to see what's different with the Steelers' offense. If things change, short yardage, maybe you use more of a Roosevelt Knicks, maybe – uh, there's not so much trickeration, if you will. A yeah. lot of times I feel like Todd was trying to maybe prove something or he just thought that that was the best way to go. And maybe the best way to go is just to simply simplify things. Yeah, it wasn't always Todd last year. They, they replayed the uh, playoff game against the Jaguars on NFL Network about a week ago. And you looked at the, the, the fourth and one when they were still in the game in the first half. Ben Audible to a pitch to the outside. You know, I Like you said, I would like to see them use Rosie Nix, whether it yep. be as a blocker or as a runner in those situations. Or, as we all know, a quarterback sneak with your 6'5". Novel concept. Now two, what is he, now 230, 235, whatever he is. Now he's still a big guy, and he should be able to get a half a yard, even a yard when you need it. When do you really ever see quarterbacks get hurt in quarterback sneaks either? It, it, just, right. it doesn't really happen. Right. I mean, there's that possibility because you're reaching the ball over, you're exposing your hand to some helmets flying in from linebackers and, you know, stuff like that. But you're right, you, you don't see it all that no. often. And Kevin Colbert claims it's not an organizational philosophy, but there's something there. Whether the quarterback doesn't want to do it or the coaches don't want to do it, there's something there. There's got to be a reason why they haven't done it. I'd like to see it just because I think it's – an easy way to move the chains and you're not going to put yourself in situations like they did against the Jaguars in the playoffs it's so odd it's, it's just odd I don't, I don't understand whether whether it is the organizational philosophy or not uh, whether it's been or not it's just odd that you don't see it I mean the Patriots I mean, they're tremendous at it it's all about the market inefficiencies right it's about the things that are easiest to do and instead of a third and one chuck or a fourth and one chuck just dive forward I do wonder, and it's not as if Ben hasn't had autonomy because God knows he has, but I wonder if you do see a lot more of the no huddle this year. I wonder if, if, if maybe their base offense is up-tempo, up-tempo, up-tempo. Yeah, I mean, that's that, that's a possibility. We all know that Ben loves to run it. Um, I, I think the Steelers have had success doing it. Um, I think a lot of it will depend upon how that defense is playing too. Um, that's true. Do you want to keep them off the field? You know, if you're confident that you can churn out the yards and score touchdowns on long drives, that might be more beneficial if you want to hide your defense a little bit too. So I think the entire, you know, team concept is going to play into that. But we've seen Ben have success with it. We've seen the Steelers have success with it. So I don't think Randy Feetner will, you know, be shy about going to it if he has to. Ray, really good stuff, man. As always, uh, go down and enjoy yourself at the turf practice today and stay dry. All right. Thanks for having me on, Adam. Anytime, pal. There he goes, Ray Fittipaldo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm watching all the other media schlubs who are not Ray Fittipaldo as they walk up and down the sideline. And Jeremy Fowler from ESPN, he's just standing there by himself 
doing air basketball drills. Oh, no, Jeremy. It's a weird thing to do. That's a weird look, man. You know what Jerry Dulac does all the time is he practices his golf swing when he's standing there? <laughs> Just the standstill by yourself. Click. Yeah. Ooh, get a little seven iron here. I can get behind <laughs> that more than I can get behind the random guy standing alone doing a basketball shot. Huh, I wonder why he's alone. I also closed my window so that nobody could hear me say that. Although I would tell Jeremy to his face, bro, you look like a douche. Coming up next, the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. It's the Crowley Show. The Adam Crowley Show. I've never felt so alive until now. On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. I saw a woman walk out of a porta john here at Steelers training camp, smoking a cigarette, wearing Crocs, tatted up, about 60 years old. And it got me to thinking, what's the most Yinzer thing you've ever seen? That's up there for me, but not quite at the top of the list. The top of the list for me is when I saw Santa Claus urinate himself when I was about 11 or 12 years old, walking out of a Steelers-Ravens game at Heinz Field. That was it for me. What's yours? At underscore Adam Crowley, 412-922-2874. Tom says, six years ago or so, a woman showed up to jury duty in a Heinz Ward jersey, and she was wearing it backwards. Oh, for the love of God. Now, how does that happen? I guess you are all hammered. You wake up in the morning. You go to jury duty, and you probably put your shirt on in the dark. Okay, very good. Coach says, guy in a 90s Steelers sweatshirt, shorts, and work boots trying to light a cigarette on Liberty Ave while it's snowing in mid-December. Yeah, it's pretty up there, too. That's a thing. Anybody who wears jorts also has a Jack Lambert jersey. That is a rule. That is what happens. And they're also a cigarette smoker. Anybody who's got jean shorts on has a Lambert jersey or a Mean Joe Green, and they smoke cigs, probably without filters. Andy says, a guy named Charles on top of a bridge and a woman yelling, Charles, get down from here. That doesn't, that doesn't sound safe. That sounds dangerous. I would not recommend doing that at home. Tom, what time is it, baby? And now it's time for the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun. Brought to you by To Be Determined. Steelers practice just wrapped up here at St. Vincent College in La Trobe. I'm looking down at the field from the press box, the Chuck Knoll press box, and Mike Tomlin is preparing to walk over to speak to the assembled media. When we do hear from Mike Tomlin, I'll tell you which players were held out today, which players were banged up. Mason Rudolph threw an interception right towards the end of practice that could have been intercepted twice. It went off a linebacker's chest right into the face of a defensive back who did pick the football off, and, well, not a good day for Mason Rudolph, and there have been a lot of bad days for Mason Rudolph. We'll get to all that coming up in a moment, but I mentioned the injuries. The guys who were hurt before, well, there were a lot of them. Ramon Foster is the big one, four to six weeks. He was out with an injury. He will be out with an injury, pardon me. And Sean Davis, T.J. Watt, Juice Smith-Schuster, Advance McDonald all did not finish practice yesterday. And that's gotten some of the yinzes on the Twitter.com. 
saying things like, oh, Stillers, they tackle too much at practice. Well, how are you going to get better if you don't tackle? How are you going to get your football team, which was one of the worst in the entire National Football League, at tackling, to be better at tackling if you do not practice the proper technique, if you do not do it full speed? You can't. That's the answer. There's no way to get better if you don't practice the thing that you're not very good at. If I'm bad at the SATs, my mom doesn't say, oh, well, maybe wake up tomorrow and eat some extra peanut butter, uh, maybe eat some Wheaties, you'll be fine. No, she pays a bunch of money so that I go sit there in a room with a crusty old lady and get taught the damn SATs. That's how you get better at it. You don't just get better by thinking, oh, we have to get better. You don't just get better at something by saying we're going to. No, you work at it and you get better. And there's a safety concern. I get it. But football is a dangerous game. And if you're going to have tackling during the season, which they do, you sure as bleep better be able to tackle from time to time in practice. Mike Tomlin doesn't have him tackling every day, but he has him tackling at least a period every day that he's allowed to have them to tackle. That's the thing. The CBA doesn't allow you to do it as much as you used to be able to. In fact, during the regular season, you're not even allowed to tackle once a week. It's like 14 or 15 days that you're allowed to practice in pads throughout the entire season. That's it. 14 or 15. That's less than one a week in the regular season in the National Football League. Now, you can do it a little bit during the bye week. But you're not going to get better during the season. You get in the rhythm of games, maybe that helps, but you don't get better because you're practicing it. Right now is the time to get your reps in. Right now is your opportunity to get better at tackling. Right now is where the Steelers go from a defense who was 30th, 31st, or 32nd, depending on which outlet you looked at, at tackling in this league, and this is the way to fix it. This is the only way to do it. You tackle. And Ramon Foster's injury could have happened in any circumstance. In OTAs, in minicamp, anytime there wasn't contact, there's still some contact between the offensive line and the defensive line. And if the pocket collapses, guys are going to fall down, and when guys fall down, you bust your knee up. And that's what happened to him. Luckily for the Steelers, though, four to six weeks, it looked like he might be gone for the season. That's no longer the case. As for the other guys, it just seems like typical bumps and bruises. Mike Tomlin's out speaking to the media right now, so I will give you updates on some of those guys as they come available. Antonio Brown tweeted at Des Bryant, terrible idea for the team. Great for me if it happens. Des Bryant's 29, and his statistics have been declining. Yes, 2014, he led the league in receiving, but that was 2014. It's 2018. Not the same guy, and definitely, definitely a distraction. The Steelers aren't going to make this happen. Kevin Colbert was up with Tunch and Wolf earlier on in the day, and he said off the air, ha, 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 ha when it was suggested that maybe the Steelers go after a guy like Des Bryant. It ain't going to happen. The Steelers got rid of Martavis Bryant. Why? Distraction. The Steelers got rid of Mike Mitchell. Why? Too much of distraction for the product he put on the football field. Steelers got rid of James Harrison last year. Why? Because he was a cancer in the locker room. The Steelers are trying to get away from that stuff. Juju Smith-Schuster, great guy. T.J. Watt, great guy. Mason Rudolph, loves football, only cares about football. You look at the guys they've drafted over these last couple of years, and football is the only thing that matters to them. Steelers are getting away from that. That's why Des Bryant ain't going to be a Pittsburgh Steeler, as much as it pains me to say. Although I wouldn't mind seeing him go to the Browns. 
Get that on Hard Knocks. That'd be entertaining. Here's some of my camp observations so far. Jalen Samuels is not an NFL running back. Not yet. He can catch. He's big. He's strong. He's fast. Hasn't blocked ever in his life. Did not block at all in college. Did okay in the first backs on backers rep against Vince Williams. And then after that, five times in a row, did not go well for him. Two times, he was put on his ass. If you can't block in this league, you're not going to be in the league. If you're a third down running back, it's something that you need to be able to do. Or it's going to be telegraphed what you're going to do every time you're out there on the football field. Uh, I have not liked that aspect of his game, and you kind of knew that coming in. You hope he can figure it out quickly, because if not, that's going to be an issue. Landry Jones looks like Landry Jones. He's out here. He commands the offense. He puts the ball where it needs to be. He reads the defense well. He might not always be accurate with his throws. He might not process things as quickly as Ben Roethlisberger does, but he's doing it a heck of a lot faster than Mason Rudolph. And definitely Josh Dobbs. It's Landry's job to lose. Spoiler alert, he ain't losing it. Joe Hayden's a stud. He looks like the best stealer on defense every time you look out here and you see him on the field. Cam Hayward, to me, is the best player on this defense. But in the secondary, it's Joe Hayden. And it's not close. Matthew Thomas, the undrafted inside linebacker out of Florida State, can fly. He's also strong. I like him. His problem has been recognition. That's one of the things you heard from him. It's one of the reasons why he did go undrafted. But the Steelers are so thin at that inside linebacker position that if you're going to make the club, that's the position, if you're a fringe player, that you have an opportunity to actually make it. Terrell Edmonds has been getting some play as the number one safety because Morgan Burnett's been out with an injury. He picked off Ben Roethlisberger yesterday. Nice feather in the cap for the Rook. Coming up next, more from Steelers training camp as we hear from Matt Williamson. He of Steelers Nation Radio and Steelers.com. That was the unsponsored football segment brought to you by To Be Determined. You're listening to The Crowley Show. He wouldn't shut up, so we gave him a talk show. Sometimes I'll start a sentence, and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Mike Tomlin just finished speaking to the media out here on the field at St. Vincent College in Lake Trobe. I'll get you all the details after we talk to our next guest from the Steelers Radio Network from WilliamsonFootball.com. He is, of course, Matt Williamson. Williamson, what's up? How you doing, man? First I'm day good. here. I'm, pretty, I'm into it. You are. Uh, there's football down to our right on the turf field. Ben Roethlisberger slanging that rock right now. Things should be... Getting ramped up pretty shortly here. No huh? doubt. And I'm uh, taking off today and come back Wednesday, but I have a feeling we're going to see quite a bit of each other and you know, over the, that, that, that stretch of uh, action here. So Maybe at Sharky's. I mean, perhaps. Definitely, definitely at Sharky's. Uh, Matt, uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the Steelers' offense. Yeah. And I know that the defense is where there's all the moving parts, and that's what everyone seems to be asking about and interested in, but I don't think you can forget that there's an offensive coordinator change here. Uh, that's a pretty big deal. It's a difference in who's calling the plays. Uh, even if the playbook is the same, even if it's exactly the same, there are still going to be differences there. And I'm wondering what you want to see, and I'm wondering what you think we might see. Yeah, and the more and more I think about it, the more changes I hope are coming. Like when I was originally asked these questions when the change happened, I pretty much thought, 
they're just doing it to make Ben happy, and him and Haley didn't get along, and Coach Fickner and him are buds, so keep the quarterback happy, and I'm fine with that. Not going to change much. But the more I think about it, there's some trends that I think really should be adjusted and be examined this offseason on that side of the ball. And I think Haley was a good coordinator. Yep. And, I th- and, and his history shows, going back to Kansas City and Arizona, that he's adapted to his quarterback, to his, the players he's been given. And I really thought he excelled at getting the ball in the right people's hands. You know, that sounds easy, but, you know, getting A.B. and Le'Veon, all those touches, you know, pays off. Yeah. But I also think from a scheme perspective, he's a little bit more of my Jimmys and Joes are better than yours as opposed to scheming things up. You know, like the the real trends you're seeing in the league are Kyle Shanahan, McVay, all these guys that are great schemers. And an absolute fixture for these new style offenses is play action passing. To me, that's like the easiest way to help your offense. Yes to help your quarterback, even if he is an older dude. I mean, and the Steelers consistently are at the bottom of the league in terms of percentage of play action, even with Le'Veon Bell. And it's not always a reflection of having a great running game, but why? whoever's last in the league in play action is doing it wrong because it's stealing right now in the league. I mean, that's one big thing I absolutely think they need to look at. Um, I'm sure you talked about more no huddle, you know, more tempo, and I think that's great because Ben can absolutely handle it. And for those that don't know, when Feekner was, you know, running things at Memphis, he was almost like a run-and-shoot disciple, yeah. you know. I mean, so that's something I think you'll see a lot of. And that doesn't even mean going faster. But no huddle just means that the, the defense can't switch, you know, can't switch personnel. And it's especially important, like, if you hit a, a nine-yard play and all of a sudden it's second and one or third and one, and you have light personnel in there, and you can bash them, you know, like you can, or you can slow things down too, you know. So there's a lot of ways to use tempo, fast and slow. And the last thing I, I really think is is noteworthy too is Haley, and this is kind of like a new thing I read was when the Steelers were in eleven personnel, you know, which is one back, one one tight end, three receivers, the most well known, the most used personnel grouping in the NFL. Right. They threw much higher than the league average on a percentage basis. When they were in heavier personnel, 12 or 21 personnel, they ran a much heavier, uh, a much higher percentage than the average. And that might not seem much to the average observer, but what do you think, you know, quality control coaches are doing all week? They're that. learning those tendencies. It's exactly what they're doing. Like, okay, the Steelers are coming out with a fullback or two tight ends. Very good chance of run or vice versa, you know. Okay, so that's a lot to take in There's right there. There's a lot there, yeah. It is. Uh, good information, as always, Why, from Matt Williamson here on the Crowley Show. Let's stick with play action for a minute here. That's mind-boggling to me. Well, I wonder if Ben just doesn't that's like That's the it. only answer I have for it. Yeah. You know, because think about this for a minute out there. None of us have played NFL quarterback, but when you perform play action, you turn your back to the defense, and when you flip your eyes back around and look at the defense, the people aren't where they used to be. You know, so some things maybe change. Just, yeah, things change fast, and and maybe he just doesn't like it. And if that's the case, I'm fine with it. But that's the only answer I can accept. Me too. And look, I look at it and I think, even if you're uncomfortable with it, do it until you are comfortable with it. And it's not like he's never done it, right? <laughs> I mean, he's done it at all levels, I'm sure. And it's funny that you mentioned that because it's something that you and I talked about a bunch last year throughout yeah. the year, and it's something that you've brought up all the time. 
And yet, whenever I still think about the offense, I think, okay, I want better short yardage situations, things mm-hmm. like that. And it's always something that I forget. So I am happy that you brought that up. As for short yardage, sometimes it's okay to just put a damn fullback in there and plow ahead. And, yeah, okay, maybe the other team knows what's coming, mm-hmm. but get a yard. Get a yard. Yeah, and to me that was a, a complaint I've had with Haley pretty much all along is I think he develops good game plans throughout the week. He gets the yep. ball in the right, right guy's hands. But I do think in crucial situations, maybe when your heart's beating a little bit more as a play caller, he, quote, got cute too much. Yes. You know, just take what's there. Take the layup. Take the slam dunk. You don't. It doesn't have to be pretty. Uh, I think play callers around the league do that too much, but um, definitely. Although I do, and Dale and I were talking about this earlier, this running game isn't ideal for fourth and one, you know, because it's a lot of trapping, a lot of uh, counters, slower developing plays, which fits Bell's patient running style extremely well. But that doesn't mean you still can't come off the ball. I mean, it, right. you know, especially with Knicks in the game. And it is a very good offensive line. I mean, DeCastro could come off the ball and move some people. Or, you know. It does mean something when you have a guy like Terrell Watson who is a fringe NFL player, mm-hmm. and it's third and one, fourth and one, and you're giving him the ball instead of Le'Veon Bell, which is something that they did uh, at times. Uh, maybe they don't yeah. trust his ability to get up in there. Maybe. You know, again, I mean, he's a more of a slow-developing runner. Or maybe he's stubborn to not just hit it up in there, depending on the play call, just on a dive type of play. Um, but but it, it, I don't know. I, I mean, part of me thinks, well, that might be one way to at least take a little bit of load off of Bell if Watson really – because that's really all Watson does well. Right. You know, why even have him on the roster otherwise? And I'm always a proponent of let's take a little bit off Bell's plate so he's fresh for the long that's term. True. But – Running backs like to score touchdowns, too. I mean, that's not the best thing for Murray. He does all the hard work, and then a guy trots out there and gets a touchdown. Matt Williamson joining us here on the Crowley Show. Matt, on the defensive side now, what do you most want to see from this unit this year? Uh, For me, it's something you and Dale were talking about earlier, Mm -hmm. and it's Stephon Tewitt taking that next step, and, man, everything kind of feels like dominoes from there. Maybe, you know... I have a lot more faith that that can happen, though, than some of the other guys. And that's not a bash on, yes. the, on the other guys. It's just I feel like, too, it's a very good player already. you yeah. know. And if he doesn't even get better than this, you're still pretty happy with the guy. And, and he's a, a, a very productive, useful player alongside Cam. And maybe he doesn't quite reach his ceiling, but it's still awfully good. If he does reach his ceiling, now you're talking, of course. But the guys that really need to step up to me are Burns, Davis, and Bud. And even if just one does and gets to, like, the two at level, then that will go a long way. I mean, they, they have a lot of moving parts on defense. I, the things I'm mostly interested in is what personnel groupings will they be using and what the, you know situations. A, another little note is more so than just about any defense in the league, they were very balanced between their base 3-4, nickel, and dime. Most teams are real heavy one way or another, which means in the in reality they didn't play a lot of nickel compared to other teams because they were all pretty much a third, a third, a third, give or take. You know, and so you will see a lot of different varieties out there. Um, I'm curious how that shakes out because there's a lot of defensive backs that are worthy of being on the field. And I know Vince Williams is a favorite, and I'm kind of excited about Bostic, but if they're playing a ton of snaps, they're going to get picked on. It's all about the passing game. Yes, and. 
You've got to realize that. It's you, all about passing. You, you, can't, you can't look at Tyler Matikiewicz and Vince Williams and think, let's keep these guys on the field together. You, you just can't. There could be one, maybe. I mean, there should be times there's none. Right. You and know. if you're going to have both, no, bad. Why? That bad. doesn't make any sense to me. And, well, it's the base defense, and you're only playing it 25% of the time. Okay, they can take advantage of you 25% of the time, then, if you're going to have those two guys in there. If you're going to do that, the smart teams are going to come out in 12 and 21 right. personnel They're and keep lesser players on the field exactly. for you. And they're better off if a guy like Burnett or especially Edmonds you know, can step up that they can be a, quote, weak side linebacker. I mean, if you look at this defense, pretend it's just a pure 4-3, and Bud is now a right defensive end. You know, and to it is your left defensive end. He's a big one. And then you have the two defensive tackles. You know, Hayward's your three technique and uh, nose tackle still a nose tackle. And Watt is then like a K.J. Wright type of player. You know I mean? A, a stacked strong side linebacker. And then your weak side linebacker can now be your first-round pick or Burnett. I mean, if you look at them through those eyes – that he's Levante David, Derek Brooks, Telvin Smith. Him and Telvin Smith are the exact same They look the same. They're exactly right. If you think of him as a weak side linebacker, then that's kind of the Shazier replacement, and that's the speed on the field you're looking for. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. And the more I watch Terrell Edmonds play, yeah. the more I think. That's what they had in mind. Yeah. yeah. Get him out there and allow him to do some of those things. Haven't it's seen Morgan actually Burnett. They brought three of the same type of players in. This offseason. Marcus it, Allen, it, even. That's what I mean. The yeah. second they took Allen, I'm like, okay, all my suspicions were 100% right. Their cards are on the table. They just brought in three strong safeties, you know, that, that are going to be linebackers. And you talk about it all the time in the offseason. Teams don't lie to you. You can no, see what they're doing no. because they bring in guys to do what they want them to do. Yeah, where are they putting their money? Where are they putting their draft picks? So I know a lot of people weren't thrilled with the Edmonds pick, but if you think of him as a 4-3 weak side linebacker, a run-and-hit Deion Jones, Telvin Smith. Those guys are making a fortune, and they're worth their weight in gold as coverage players and versatile players. I think that's what he is. He's not Ed Reed. You know, he's not no. Earl Thomas. I want to see Sutton on the field. You want to see Hilton on the field. Mm -hmm. You want to see Morgan Burnett on the field. You want Sean Davis to play better than he did and. I think his skill set can be free safety. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, he's kind of a puzzle piece. He could be a square peg round hole guy. I just, yeah. I'm not sure on him yet. I don't. He's kind of a tweener to me mm -hmm. a little bit between the strong and the free. Yeah, with some potential cornerback traits too. Yeah. So if you're looking at him as a glass half full guy, that's wonderful. But if he's none of the above, that's terrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. If he's all of the above, that's great. Or most of the above, that's great. If he's none of the above, then he's going to be replaced, especially with the depth they have in the secondary now. Matt Williamson joining us here on the Crowley Show. I was, in, I was interested just to go back to the offense for a minute, what you would think about uh, Jalen Samuels, who he can catch the ball, he can run the football, he's a weapon, but he never blocked in his career at NC State. People don't realize that. Like, no, yeah. and he's getting run the bleep over out here. I'm sure. I mean, his first rep against Vince Williams was good in the backs on backers, and then okay. after that it was five times in a row, and he got pancaked twice, and it was just, oh, my sweet Jesus. <laughs> that, you, you, feel, you feel awful Which is to be expected. I mean, right. He didn't block at the ACC, and now he's got to block the NFL. Right. Right. right, not going to go the way you want it to. So the question is, how long can you put up with that? I mean, how quickly can you teach a guy to be able to do that? And if you can't do that, how are you going to play special teams? And really, how are you going to make the roster? Well, you can still run down on kickoffs. Can he tackle? Uh, it scares I mean, me a little bit. Right, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think they're 
preseason will be very important for him. I mean, I don't think anyone looks at him as Lev's replacement, but if Bell's not in the game, he absolutely can be a very viable receiver for you, Samuels, you know, as a detached player. But if everyone knows he can't pass protect, then if he's in the game, it's a bit of a tell, too. Yeah, right. You know, he's going absolutely. to detach, right? I mean, if it, it's, you know, it's just like baseball. If you can't hit a curveball, you're going to see curveballs. You know what I mean? So it, he better learn to do it. He has... From what I understand, the work ethic, the desire, certainly has the body and the strength and the athleticism to do it. But pass blocking is mostly about one-two, and we'll see how that comes along. My other thought with him is kind of, you know, almost like we're talking about Davis. He he can be a jack-of-all-trades, but if he's none of the above, if, you know, if, if, if he's not good enough in any of those facets, then he doesn't help you at all. Right. But another trend that I mentioned, you know, Shanahan, that – Everyone's studying his offense now, from the Falcons now to the, the Niners. And he uses Kyle Juszczyk and made him the highest-paid fullback in the league. Juszczyk isn't anything like Knicks or Kreider or, you know, those type of guys. He is right. a very much a jack-of-all-trades, do a lot of things with them. And I wonder if Samuels can turn into that. I mean, we're calling him a fullback, but your two-back sets might be him and Bell. And if you get heavy personnel, you could still go empty with those guys. You know, they're great receivers. I wonder if he develops, like, you know, if he hits, maybe he gets on the field with Bell. And this is kind of a new thought I've had it with him. But the people, fullbacks have changed, let's just say that. Matt, I like having you on the show because I always learn something. And I always, I always think, it just makes you think a little bit differently than, than the way I think. Uh, whenever I talk to Dale... I feel really good about myself. Whenever I talk to you, I just feel awful. Well, like I don't know anything. Well, that makes me feel happy. Right. So, you know, <laughs> we'll just we'll just go in a little circle I'll try to that make way. you feel awful for the next couple of weeks. How's Thanks, that? man. All right. Hey, appreciate the time. All right, brother. Sounds that, good. There you go. That's Matt Williamson from WilliamsonFootball.com, Steelers Nation Radio, and the Steelers Radio Network. Coming up next, what's the most Yinzer thing you've ever seen? And, my God, the Pirates just wasted that Mets series. It's a Crowley Show.